Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. This podcast is designed to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and live the life you dream about. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 486. In today's podcast, my guest is sharing with you how you can heal from the inside out. He's sharing his triumphs over emotional baggage and the negative stories we tell ourselves, toxic masculinity, loneliness, and so much more. You are going to learn how to heal your mind and your body. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Dr. Brent Janogan. Dr. Brent, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. For those who are new, please give a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So I'm currently in Denver, Colorado. I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I graduated from Life University. I'm a fellow Texan, a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and a former aviation mechanic. Okay, and I'm going to give a little background because this doesn't happen often. Brent and I actually met at the gym in the sauna and we're nerding out instantly about subconscious mind and holistic wellness. And I was like, dude, I have to have you on the podcast. And uh, but I would like for you to share a little more background on, you know, you were doing engineering or whatever mechanics on planes, but now you do it with people. Mm-hmm. And I love how you can just share kind of that um, transition. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I, you know, I never thought I would be a doctor. I grew up a very, very humble beginning. Uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, very poor living with my family, all of us on a dirt road. That led me to the Marine Corps, which ultimately, while I was in the Marines, I learned how to work on uh, the V-22 Osprey. It's a, a, hel- a helicopter airplane variant hybrid that can do both. Uh, it's kind of state of the art. Uh, it was the new technology on the street. And I learned how to work on airplanes and helicopters starting on that and then transition to drones and jets and cargo planes and everything. I tried to get my hands on as much as I could because it was the exposure to the experience that I was looking for. I wanted to learn more about how different things worked. And growing up, I wanted to be an architect. That was like my my childhood dream, right? I was like, I want to be an engineer. I want to be an architect. And uh, my Instagram handle is actually the movement architect because when I was in grad school becoming a chiropractor, my transition from being a professional athlete most of my life, doing competitions, weightlifting, CrossFit, different things like that, that all kind of jumbled together with the mechanics of how to work on airplanes and how the body worked because physics works in the same plane, right? Um, <clears throat> volumetrics works the same way in the body as it does outside of the body. And it's really fascinating how you can take an airplane and start talking about mechanics on an airplane or a car and then transfer it into the body and talk about how they're similar in their actions. And so now I'm the movement architect, but I'm an architect of, of biomechanics. It's how your body functions as a chiropractor. And that transition is just, um, it's been a beautiful transition because it's allowed me to blossom into, you know, the passionate person that I am away from being a mechanic, which can be very physically doling and abusing emotionally. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, please be sure to leave a five-star review. 
I want to offer you some additional resources. Visit my website, heatherhakes.com, and sign up for my free video training on how to reprogram your subconscious mind. I also offer one-on-one coaching. I will help you create clarity and a roadmap so you can live the life you dream about. Best part? Everything I teach, you can start implementing right now. To learn more and apply, visit heatherhakes.com. Now, back to regular programming. Okay, I definitely want to talk about the mind-body connection. And I don't know why I had this thought, but this morning at the gym, I was doing walking lunges. And I was like, I feel, because a lot of people pay for a personal trainer, right? People will pay for um, bettering their body, but I don't think people understand the power of their mind, right? And and I, I know that people that have invested in coaching understand the benefits. But for example... I believe a really good personal trainer not only shows you talks about nutrition and how to lift weights, but also does the mental part of it. Because if you don't deal with your emotional habits of overeating or that negative self-talk, then only working on the external is dealing with symptoms, not the root cause. Yes, absolutely. Can you expand on that? And like the mind body connection, because I know, you know, a lot about the body and look, you're a Cairo. But also let's talk about like the internal side of it. Yeah. And you know that the the work capital W, right? Uh, being able to go in and connect to yourself and understand what's going on, how to swim in your emotions and be give yourself permission to be expressive. You know, as a human, you are expressive uh, on the table. When I'm adjusting people, I tell people, I'm like, hey, get in your body. Like this is your body. Like, you know, take a deep breath just let go of the stress and get back into it. As a personal trainer, you're trying to train a person on how to use their brain or their their mind and connect it to their body. And that that mind-body connection shows up everywhere. So trauma, how information stored in the nervous system can become static and it can dissociate and create dis-ease, which leads to dis-ease in the body. And that's a big part of the conversation. Like, you know, um, People call it shadow work. People call it uh, inner child work, but ultimately it's just going in, connecting to yourself, being honest with yourself, you know, doing lunges, that mind body connection allows you to connect your brain to your body and make sure they're properly communicating. That just made me think uh, when you were saying that about yoga, but I I just want to share with this. Um, A lot of my clients are males, very driven, high performance, entrepreneurs, business owners, go, go, go. And I think men believe yoga is too sissy and don't do well sitting still. However, trust when I started yoga, I hated it. It was like, um, honestly, it was torture until I found paddleboard yoga. And then I found this flow and the ease. And that's what led me to getting certified. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is because I don't think people understand that we're living in a high stressed out society and environment. That's our conditioning. And if you don't create that internal peace and calm through movement, breath work, whatever, you can do all this external things, but the inside is still suffering, right? Absolutely. Cause it's, it's dis-ease, it's, it's dissonance, right? You're, you're disconnected from yourself. And when you're disconnected, there's resistance. And when what I, one of the things I talk to my patients about, um, when you see an elderly person that's they're real hunched over and they're they're in that survival state. I call that survival because when we fall in on ourselves, 
That's a sympathetic state of survivability. We are protecting our heart and our vital organs to survive potential harm versus being out expressive, open, allowing your heart space to be shown and seen and allowing yourself to be heard. Um, that is an expression of parasympathetic tone. Your autonomic nervous system is expressing life. You are thriving. You are not surviving. Oh, I love that. Surviving, not uh, thriving, not to whatever. I just messed that up. You know right. what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And look, even when you said that, because I um, something I talk about often, most people want more money, right? But most people right. are living life white knuckled, stressed the fuck out. Mm-hmm. where if you teach as an easy visual, if you let go of this, so you were saying that hunched over movement, but even tightness of the te- um, fist, if you release and open and allow, but you were talking about, which is so important. And Dr. Joe Dispenza is really big on is opening your heart space, your center. Mm-hmm. But I feel like most people are so guarded and, and wear all these masks for quote protection that we're literally keeping everything we desire at bay because we don't trust and allow and are stressed out. Absolutely. Well, I love that you talked about yoga a minute ago, because I want to talk about being a masculine man, being a Marine, being a a combat veteran. And you're like, like you got the gun show going on it. You, as a man, you want to be alpha. You want to be part of the pack. You want to lead. You want to be a leader. That's who you are. And not everyone particularly is ready to be a leader because you one have to lead yourself before you can lead others. And a part of yoga, you know, I'm exploring yoga myself have been for several years, not, not consistently as I should, or wish I could have, but you know, your bottom three chakras connect you to the earth, connect you to ground matter. Your top three connect you to source. It connects you to energy. It connects you to consciousness. In the middle lies your heart space. That's your heart center. You connect to the bottom three to connect to the physical matter in which your body is. And you connect to the top three to connect to the spiritual being in which you are. You share that space in your heart space and that's who you are. But when you're disconnected, you know, we were talking about dissonance or, or resistance inside yourself. When you resist who you are authentically and radically honest, like be radically honest with yourself. And allow yourself to work through that trauma that you're hiding from, which again, a certain state of survival, whenever you're moving into a state of survival, your physiology responds, you hold on to physical threat, talking about amygdala hijacking, how your prefrontal cortex hijacks your amygdala, and you override your sensations of what a fierce threat response is, and you instantly go into survival state. How do you get out of that? You expose yourself, release, integrate, and understand that you have permission to heal. Okay. So the visual I got when you were talking about the chakras and, um, for people who aren't, don't know what we're talking about, Dispenza explains them as energy centers in our body. They start at like your tailbone and then like behind your belly button, your heart, your throat, your third eye, which is like your forehead, you know, anyway, so these different quote energy centers or chakras of the body, I, what I saw when you were explaining that is like when we're living in survival, stressed out, not trusting all these things. I saw that as like all the lights are really dimmed. And Mm -hmm. then that's what leads to the chronic pain and illness and suffering. However, what we're trying to explain is when you do this work and open up and release, then all your lights are back on Mm -hmm. alignment, right? Absolutely. And that, that starts with breath. You know, one of the things I talk to my patients about um, 
where is your breath and your body? Are you connected to it? Or is, is it just one of those things that's happening? You know, am I just breathing subconsciously and I'm not aware of what I'm doing? It's like driving your car. And then all of a sudden, like you leave in the morning and you get to work and you're like, oh, I'm at work. How did I get here? You know, you're running a subconscious program that you're not consciously aware of what you're doing or where you are. And I, I talk to patients about their breath. You know, you're born into this world with nothing on you. You have no material things on you. You're born into the world with one thing, your breath, and you will die with your breath. My, uh, one of my best friends is a yoga instructor as well. And she told me, she goes, uh, her teacher told her your next exhale is promise, but not your next inhale. And that's always sat with me. Okay. Can we go a little bit more? Cause I talk about this often living life in autopilot. And I did it for years, you know, going through life's motions, dreading Monday, cheering on Friday, week in and week out. And most people are, have settled for the status quo. Mm -hmm. But I also know that there is a whole nother world available to us. However, if I believe the first step in creating change in your life is awareness. Yes. How do we even get people started? Because I, you know, we're talking about a lot of this mind body connection, but somebody who currently is feeling stuck in a rut, going through life's motions, living on autopilot, miserable. Look, I have a life assessment on my website and I see them come through all the time, hundreds. And most of the people literally rank like their happiness mm -hmm. in their mental health below a five, normally like one to four. Romantic relationships normally are really suffer. We're talking like ones and twos. So that means people are either in a miserable one or they're lonely and they want to be in one. And so anyway, there's all these life buckets, but people, I feel like they don't even know where to begin. So can we help shine a light on, okay, where do you even start? You know, I love that question so much because uh, the beginning of any journey requires awareness. You have to become aware of potentially a quote unquote problem. I don't believe in problems. I believe in solutions. I think that a quote unquote problem is a deficiency that you have and you just need to express energy into that deficiency to raise it up because it's a low vibration. Um, you know, you talked about relationships, you talked about happiness. Those are states of being. Those are uh, things that we desire, you know, dopamine, happiness, serotonin, where, where are our hormonal levels and what are we getting those things from? You know, I talk about as a man, uh, addictions to pornography, addictions to masturbation, addictions to sex, addictions to substances. Those are things that are stealing our happiness, stealing our desire and our craving, our productivity, because they're stealing our attention, which ultimately is stealing our awareness of what we could be doing, potentially be growing towards in our, our purpose, our why. And to answer your question, Heather, you have to start with why. You, truly, Simon Sinek, uh, he was the one that really first uh, presented that to me. Start with why. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to do it? Um, Chinese proverb, ask yourself five whys, and you'll get to the premise of the original question of or the solution of what your question was. And if if you want to heal, if you want to move forward, if you want to be a better man, a better woman, if you want to be a better partner in a relationship, ask yourself, why? Why do I want to be better? That's going to lead you to solutions. Those solutions, then you start to enact, which become behaviors, which become habits. And those habits then carry forward 
and ultimately allow you to, to achieve what you're looking to achieve. Something you just said, they're like five levels deep asking why I've heard it even as much as seven layers deep. Hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of people are like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you did know, and Tony Robbins is big on asking, um, he says, ask better questions. Yes. Something you highlighted though. And I thought this is really important because we all have our, I call them numbing agents. You said things that are stealing our attention. And again, back to the living life in autopilot, if you're sitting there scrolling on social media endlessly, look, I do it too, but I try to catch myself and it's like, I'm, it doesn't make me feel good. It's not productive. And I, there's a meme out there that says, if it doesn't bring you, um, income, pleasure, or something else, like let go of it. But look, like, and I, I think that's also those automatic behaviors, scrolling on social, watching the news, hanging out with people that are doing the same shit, different day. It is literally Groundhog Day. Same shit, different day. Nobody has changed. They're not mm -hmm. doing anything new, but that's kind of the norm. Right. How do you... Well, that's the, that's the program, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's the matrix. You're stuck in the matrix. You're allowing yourself to be influenced. You're allowing your energy to be influenced externally by something else versus having internal, an internal compass that's guiding you. You know, I love the, the analogy of Captain Jack Sparrow with a compass because the compass only points to where he wants it to. And that's your internal compass. That's who you are. Are you listening to the compass? Or are you listening to, to the, a different person's compass? Mm -hmm. And being part of being a part of the matrix is a part of the game. Just like in business, you have to learn to play the game to be able to be successful at it. And you have to learn that you're you're here for an experience. Your soul chose to come here to do something and to have an impact on the world. Yes. Like that is that's indefinite. We all have that inside of us and being able to move towards that is a part of the big purpose and the part of the why, of why you exist and why you're here to break loose of the constraints of the program. If you're at home, my mom, she's in a small town, little country, middle of nowhere. It takes like 45 minutes to get to the grocery store from the house. She lives nowhere. Like, I mean, we barely just got internet. Yeah. And I'm like, mom, what are you doing? She's like, oh, just watching reruns of CSI or soap operas or reruns or Western movies. And I'm just like, you should take up a hobby. You know, like, you have, you have a garden? Like, you have some plants in the house? You know, like, um, like, what are you doing? Pick up knitting, pick up crocheting. Um, use, use your hands, use, use your body. You talked about it earlier. Movement is life. If we don't use it, we lose it. You will lose your ability to do things if you are sedentary. Manani. Okay, wait. Now I want to deep dive this because I love talking about subconscious mind. And even I feel like the last three years are a great observation of what people who are conditioned and programmed into, you said it, the matrix, which I finally just watched that movie literally about a year ago. I know, I know it'd been out like 20, 22 years. I'd never seen it, yeah. but everybody always talked about the red pill, blue pill. And I was like, all right, I got to know what people are talking about <laughs> anyway. And yeah, if you really do understand, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. Okay. But that if life is an illusion, this is all like a hologram and uh, projection is perception. Let's just talk about this subconscious mind. And we all have been conditioned and programmed to believe certain things, whether or not they are fact, we have the power 
to reprogram, to mm -hmm. reinvent ourselves. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, geez, where do you even start? Uh, All right, let's just talk about what is the subconscious mind. Let's just go basics. Okay, so subconscious mind is, is things that um, you've built a, a regimental program. So think how you drive to school or work every day. If you tap out, it's like getting in the shower or driving to work. You just tap out and all of a sudden you show up and you're like, oh, I'm done. Or you get in the shower and you get out of the shower and you're like, did I, did I use soap? And like, I had to think about that. You're running on a subconscious program. You are not consciously available. That means you are, you fell back into the back of your mind and you're sitting there and then your body is doing things without you actually running the program. You are not in the driver's seat driving. Your subconscious is driving the machine. Yeah. So like, um, you know, what you're explaining is, and look, I know we know this cause we study it all the time, but somebody who's like, what the hell are they talking about? Think about also right. habits, right? You get out of bed the same way every day. You go to the bathroom, you like, we're in a very habitual state of being. Yes. Quote, AKA autopilot. Mm -hmm. But how do you like, we, we have good habits and we have bad habits, but like we could talk about bad habits, right? Procrastination, all the self-sabotaging things that we do in order to create a new reality, to reinvent ourselves, mm -hmm. we have to do it in the subconscious. Yes. How? Well, you have to build conscious programming. So you have to build your habits. You have to set goals and you have to start working towards those until they get instilled as programs in your subconscious and overwrite the other old programs. So it's like updating your software or your phone or on your computer or your phone. You have to do updates on yourself because the person you were nine years ago isn't who you are today. And the world is different. Technology is different. You move, talk, and just are different energetically. And you can't carry the past with you. Uh, something I did in, yeah, go ahead. I know I see you want to ask a question. But most people are, and like Dispenza talks about it, if you're not, if you don't have a clear intention of a new future, you are literally bringing the past with you in every moment, focused on your programs, those emotions that were tied to frustration, anger, boredom, impatience, all those low vibes, until you become conscious and aware and start doing the work to reprogram. Yeah. And I, I just want to say something on that because uh, on my podcast that I had, the Legendary Chiropractor podcast, uh, I was talking to Dr. Mike Giese on Sunday about it. And he said two things that his patients don't have enough of. And I just wanted to reiterate this because I find that it's so relevant and true to this conversation. Two things that we don't have enough of, gratitude and imagination. We stop imagining we stop believing in our imagination and we stop believing what's possible. We create a quote unquote new norm for ourselves and we get stuck in that pattern. Uh, I see it all the time with people that have lifestyle habits that are not beneficial to their health that ultimately lead them to obesity and diabetes. And they're like, oh, I got diabetes, doc. Yeah, I got, I got the diabetes. I'm like, do you have diabetes or does diabetes have you? Dang, that was good. But okay, even that right there, like that's kind of, um, and I don't know another way to say this, but it's the victim mentality. Like we, we let go of 
control, even though we have it and, and we fall victim to circumstances and identities. I'm diabetic. And yeah. And it's, you don't, again, it's what you believe. And we, in chiropractic, we talk about thoughts, traumas, and toxins, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about others, the way we think in general, the thoughts that we create about ourselves, about others, the conversations, the quote unquote judgments, the opinions, the perspective that we view life. Myself, I try to be, I try, I try to come from a place of gratitude and unconditional love because I know that there does not exist uh, judgment or opinions in either. I do not want to project what I believe or what I, I perceive to believe onto another. So I sit in a place of gratitude and I come from a place of unconditional love of where you've come from and where your experience of life has presented and brought you to. And with the imagination, you have to believe. You like If you believe you can heal, you will heal. If you believe you will achieve something, you will achieve it. All right. Let's talk placebo, nocebo. Okay. That's exactly uh, what the placebo effect is stating, right? Most people know it as like a sugar pill or sham surgery, yep. but it's literally just you putting belief into something and whatever you expect you will experience. Absolutely. You manifest your thoughts. Let's preach. I... <laughs> okay. And, and this is newer. Um, I hadn't heard it explained this way, but are you familiar with the nocebo effect? Yeah. Essentially the opposite of a, a placebo. Yeah. So people don't even realize that if you are focused on the negative and you think shit's going to go wrong or you you're manifesting that, too. Mm -hmm. You absolutely are. Uh, you know, you see it with with pain. People will come into the office. They'll start getting adjusted and they're just like they come in the same thing. My back hurts, my low back hurts, that left side, that left hip, that left hip. And at some point, like I can only adjust I can only physically do so much before you need to do the work on yourself and ask yourself, why are you in pain? Why am I experiencing this right now? And you have to work through your pain. You cannot move away from your pain. Your body physiologically wants to move you away from pain. It wants to move you away from whatever discomfort is being presented to you in this life. Uh, our brains neurologically are programmed to move away from discomfort and as you notice, you'll, as if you have a pain in your back, you're like, oh, oh, you, you move away from it rather than I'm gonna take a breath. I'm just gonna sit. I'm gonna ask. I'm just gonna observe why that's here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, mom, I need to give you a call. And it's a connection to self, it's a reminder to stop fighting and to surrender. And it pain is a lot of pain is psychological, it's somatic, it's psychoschematic. You believe you're in pain, you're going to experience pain. You believe you're going to get in a car wreck, you're going to manifest a car wreck. That's just the law of manifestation and attraction. Yeah. So be careful what you literally, what you think about, what you wish for, because um, I think that's another thing. What, what I want to share there is I love this. A coach taught me this years ago that you have to feel it to heal it. And most people avoid the pain because like what you shared, like we seek pleasure. We want to avoid pain, but I like to think of it like, especially any chronic, I have a book by Louise. Hey, you can heal your life. Do yes. you know, do you know that book? I do. Okay. So in the back of the book is more or less a glossary. So any kind of like skin thing or joint pain or whatever issue is always tied to an emotion. And I, like, I know this. Um, I tend to have pain in my feet, my knees, and that's uh, like the inability to like trust in life and move forward and whatever. But 
the whole thing to feel it, to heal it. I like to think of any pain in the body as a check engine light. And if you can check in and go, oh, okay, what needs released? What am I avoiding? What? But that also, like, that takes some self-discipline. And um, how would you teach someone to do that, to check in and go, okay, what's going on? We want to be heard. Yeah, I mean, you just said it yourself. Uh, you just have to become aware of it. You have to sit and create observation. Uh, sit down. And, uh, and as a man... I find this very difficult myself as a sit in stillness, you know, mm. to sit, allow myself to let all the thoughts run and just sit and just spend some time with me working on me. Um, one of my, my best friends and life coaches, uh, he's actually going to be speaking on my podcast this weekend. And he always talks about filling your cup first. You have to learn to fill your cup before you fill someone else's cup. And that can look like a myriad of different ways or different opportunities for you to express um, journaling, breath work, red light therapy, uh, yoga, exercise, hiking, walking. Uh, you know, there's a variety of ways that you can do it, but you have to fill your cup first. If you pour from an empty cup, you're looking for burnout. You're looking for exhaustion. You're looking for depression, anxiety. You're looking for eventually it's going to lead to, you know, negative emotions and negative thoughts and ultimately negative behaviors and habits that are going to be created that aren't allowing you to be expressive and live your best life. On that self-care note, I have found, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of women and especially moms and moms, you know, I'm not, I have a fur baby, but I am not a human mom yet. But anyway, so women specifically are always taking care of everybody else. And I've heard from women that it's like they almost think self-care is selfish. And I believe it's necessary because like you said, we can't pour from an empty cup. And for example, like I, my non-negotiables, because coaching, I mean, it takes a lot of energy, especially dealing with helping people deal with their own shit, right? And like letting that stuff go. If I don't fill up my cup in the morning and get my movement and meditation and what I need to do, then I'm easily depleted. Mm -hmm. So for me, it is necessary. It's not selfish. Well, I think depending on the narrative that you want to tell yourself, like if it is selfish, like lean into that. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to be selfish. Sometimes you have to be selfish for your, your own benefit. So you can grow and evolve, uh, now not to the detriment of others, never, but taking, taking care of you is just as important as taking care of others. If, if not more important, because how am I supposed to serve others? If I can't serve myself, how am I supposed to lead others? If I can't lead myself, can I ask you and share as much as you want or whatever, what kind of was, what changed your life trajectory? What was that thing where kind of your wake up call, no more and like deep dive to this work? Uh, to be honest, I hated who I was. Mm. I, I got to a point that I was so unhappy, so unhappy with who I was and how I was showing up in the world that I was lonely. Uh, I had created solitude through negativity. I had pushed everyone in my life away from me and I was alone. And I realized very quickly that being alone uh, is, is not as fun as you quote unquote think it is. Um, it's, it's hard. 
and it's emotionally abusive. And there's a lot of work to be done sitting with self and becoming alone. You know, in my own solitude, I, I leaned into it. 2020 COVID happened. Everything got put on lockdown and I was given the opportunity to sit with myself. And I spent just about two years. I pulled myself out of dating. Uh, I was a toxic masculine male. Um, dating was toxic and I was attracting uh, low quality partners because my energy was low quality. And I, I recognized it again, awareness. I, I brought awareness to it. I brought awareness to the type of partner I want to attract. And I started working towards that because ultimately it started for the benefit of benefit of self, ultimately manifesting something material yet. And in the process of that, a beautiful journey awoken inside me that allowed me to do more work. I healed my generational traumas that I was bringing in for my parents. I was bringing, you know, you learn three ways. Psychology talks about it. Classical conditioning, operant conditioning, and observational conditioning. That's how our brain perceives information as a child from zero to seven that builds your ego. You watch your parents, you watch your, your caretakers, your siblings, you watch your family and your friends, and you learn how they communicate verbally and non-verbally, how their communication and relationships are. And mine was very abusive, very uh, neglectful, very uh, targeting and aggressive, not domestically, but uh, verbally and emotionally. And I just didn't want to be that type of man anymore. Um, being in the Marines, it's a very masculine dominant uh, environment. That's very, very toxic, you know, yeah. primal energy. And the, when I got out of the military in the Marine Corps, uh, I realized I didn't fit in in the world. And I, I struggled greatly, you know, as a veteran, I, I really struggled on who I was, what I was doing, how I was showing up in the world. And I just, I had enough. I, I finally took a stand for myself and made a decision to start moving towards that internal compass and start listening to that internal compass and that internal dialogue. I love that. And thank you for sharing all that. And I've, I recognize now as an adult, like little boys are never taught to deal with their emotions, right? Like don't cry. Big boys don't cry. And so mm -hmm. men are taught to suppress, not express. And that's what I believe leads to the toxicity. The And look, as an example, I think David Goggins, that man has a mindset of steel. Like I really respect that side of him in the endurance athlete. However, his stay hard mentality, he is toxic and he has a huge following. And I'm like, man, that's well, one way to do it. In so like David Goggins was a huge inspiration for me. Um, I recently lost about a hundred pounds. So at the beginning of COVID, I took a, a health plunge, and it was really a, uh, an internal deep dive into myself that resulted in me losing a lot of weight, which I found literally and yeah, figuratively, yeah. So yeah. it's like a, you know my physical weight that I was holding on to was emotional baggage that I was carrying with me. And I wasn't letting go. I was holding on and trapping it. It was static energy just stuck to me. And some of it wasn't even mine. Some of it was other people's projections and other people's uh, narratives and their beliefs of me that I took on it. I believed to be my own. Mm -hmm. And I was carrying all this extra weight that wasn't mine. And it was, it was suffocating who I was. And I had to sit and start slowly taking off the layers. And again, you are a layer. You're an onion. As you peel the layers back, you're going to find more depth and more work and more things to work on. It's going to keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And I really don't believe that the work ever stops until you take your last breath on this life. And that's, that's a part of the journey. You know, I'm not focused on the destination. I'm focused on where I am right now in the present and where I'm working on to be that next better person for the future version of myself. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And I used to chase the destination, you know, I'll be happy when, and it was a very conditional way of living until I got all those things that were quote, supposed to make me happy. And I was miserable. And then I realized it, there literally is no destination. Just one day you're, you're not going to wake up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not enjoying the journey and I feel like most people aren't, Mm -mm. it's just no way of living. It's not, you know, nature versus nurture. Are you, Mm -hmm. are you being natured or are you being nurtured? And if you're over nurtured, maybe you should get some nature. And if you're over nature, maybe you skip the nurture. You know, it's a masculine versus feminine energy is, you know, some people want to talk about it. Some people don't want to talk about it, but yeah. at the end of the day, you are both, you are a dichotomy of that existence. You're um, uh, constantly in a perpetual state of dynamic equilibrium where you're always in motion. You're always working on yourself. You're not um, perfect. You know, you're not, you're, you're just not perfect. So don't even try to be. Can we talk a little bit about flow state? Cause that's something you brought up before we started recording is this idea of like being in flow and imagination and um, like following that joy. Yes. How do you yeah. get there? We all have it. It's a feeling. Yeah. Uh, you, everyone, everyone has a different flow for me, physical, uh, physical exercise, pushing myself to the limit of, where I'm just on that borderline of I'm in danger and I've got this. It's that teeter totter on that line. I think that's part of the the Marine in me and the country boy. Uh, You know, I've always pushed that limit and, you know, doing triathlons, doing marathons and downhill enduro mountain biking and snowboarding. I put myself physically on the line because I know that there there's a surrender. There's a surrender to nature. If, If I am no longer the apex predator, in an environment like that's that's a fear condition response that's stored in my my physiology that makes me feel alive you know if i jump into the ocean and there's some sharks in the ocean with me like i'm gonna be a little more aware of you know fear one of my mentors told me this i'll I'll never forget and i'd love to share this with you um he told me fear does not mean any of the the stories you've heard it means slow down and pay more attention it's the universe guiding you Whenever you're, if you're out walking in nature and a mountain lion walks out on the trail, what do you do? How do you respond? You're going to slow down. You're going to take a breath, pop, maybe hold your breath. Yeah. You're going to pay more attention. You're going to focus on the threat and you're going to start taking in information and deciding on what's the best move for you to move forward and survive this encounter. And that's how we move through life. Uh, Take a breath, slow down, and pay more attention, create awareness. Okay, back to the flow state. I realized yours are very adrenaline driven, but I think what I hear from you is that that creates presence, right? You're very present downhill mountain biking and you're very present. Uh, Can I just share maybe some feminine ways of being in flow? Yeah, absolutely. How I have felt it is literally like even more stillness. And I, I live in Colorado. I love the mountains. There's something about one, I can smelling the pine, feeling so small in this big world. 
uh, snowboarding on powder that like just feeling the flow. I have that flow state running. But again, I, I believe that flow state we're talking about in the zone is presence. Mm -hmm. And some people might feel it dancing, journaling, playing music, painting. There's so many ways and we all have that thing. So go do, I believe it is important to do the thing that creates presence often. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Here's what I want to know. Cause I, I know we're a little short on time and, and I want to make sure we cover all the things. I want to know, and I do like to ask other people, what are some like daily rituals or practices you do um, to help keep you focused in this headspace and um, creating this holistic way of living? You know, I love that question so much because there's so many ways you can you can create presence in your life and find aware, find some awareness. Uh, some of the ones that I do and I'm working through right now are... I have a gratitude practice. First thing, when I wake up in the morning, I spend the first five minutes of my day just being grateful. Uh, I wake up, you know, uh, I spend the first couple of minutes rubbing my dog's belly. You know, I'm just grateful for him. I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I'm grateful for breath in my lungs. I'm grateful for hot, hot water. I'm grateful for electricity. You know, spend some time getting present with what you do have, not what you don't have. And just sit in gratitude for that and then I'll spend my first couple of morning or first couple of minutes in the morning in front of the red light, just doing some light movement, warming my body up. Um, just like an animal, the first thing it does whenever it gets up is it stretches. Why don't we? Why are we not stretching when we first get up? You have to turn your body online to get it ready and prepped for the day. So I prime my body first thing in the morning. And then from there, it's either gym, journal, reading, meditation, podcast. I just spend time focusing on me in the morning. And then in the evenings, I spend time in appreciation. I want to be appreciative and thankful for what happened during that day. I spend time talking to myself and journaling and, and just getting stuff prepped for the next day to be more grateful and appreciative for the next day, but also what I have today and what I've been through to get to where I'm at. Because if you don't have appreciation and gratitude for where you've come from, you won't have it whenever you move forward. I love that grad, uh, attitude of gratitude. And I just want to highlight, the reason I ask that is because people who are feeling in flow and, and like living life in ease and look, I know every day is not easy, right? We still have challenges and obstacles, but we're very intentional and mindful and we do consistent practices to be conscious and, and aware. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. So question for you, because we touched on many things. This went all over the place, but yeah, what do you believe is a key takeaway you want listeners to get? Stay hungry. Don't, don't be satiated. You know, if you're comfortable where you are, you're comfortable in life with your relationship, you're comfortable with your partnership, you're comfortable with your job, your education, no matter where you are, if you're comfortable, you're not hungry anymore. And if you're not hungry, and you're not curious and you're not chasing what could be better. Like you're, you're just stagnant. You're comfortable. You're complacent. Don't be complacent. Stay hungry. I call that a boring ass box. Yes. <laughs> Don't put yourself in a box. Yes. Love that. Okay. I have a few rapid fire questions to ask you to wrap up the interview. Come on with it. What is a quote or motto that you live by? It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. What? Say it again. 
it's better to be a excuse me it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war what does that mean so i'd rather be someone that's trained in the field of battle and be at peace in a garden knowing that i have the potential to do harm but don't necessarily need to do oh, it versus okay. the opposite of being a gardener in a war and not knowing how to be in war i'd rather be prepared and at peace with myself and what i'm capable of than at stress or threat or potentially at harm. Thank you. I'd never heard it that way, but I like that. Thanks. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Ooh, that's a juicy one. Right now I'm finishing up uh, Breath by James Nestor. Uh, it's about breathing, the breathing mechanics, how using your breath can change your physiology and ultimately allow you to heal. There's a ton of research in it about um, the application and how it physically changes. So if you have crooked teeth, that's because you breathe improperly. Your mouth is an exhaust, not an intake. Your nose is an intake. You consume upwards of 85% of available oxygen through your nose. It's that is usable versus your mouth is only 50%. So if you're mouth breathing, you're destroying your gums, you're destroying your teeth, your palate, uh, your teeth and the alignment of your teeth, as well as you're not actively using all of the oxygen you're consuming. Oh, dang. All right. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Don't be afraid. Play big. I love that. And such a great note to end on. Brent, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Heather. This has been such a blast. And just thank you for the space. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. I'd love it if you could leave me a review and remember to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. If you haven't yet, connect with me on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'll catch you on the next episode.